Well, good morning. Um, I don't know about you, but I'm actually really excited to get to this part of the morning. I don't normally love to preach if you know me very well, uh, but we've had so many technical difficulties getting to this part that now I'm finally on stage. I can't actually fix anything. So if it breaks, I don't care at this point. So here we go. Uh, it is great to have you with us this morning. Glad that you're here. If you're joining us online, welcome. Uh, one of the sort of major problems that I deal with in my life um, is that, and it's seriously a first world problem, but um, I really enjoy movies. I just can't stay awake through them. I literally will fall asleep to just about any movie, and it really doesn't matter where I'm watching that movie. Um, it doesn't matter if I'm at home. It doesn't matter if I'm at a friend's house. It, doesn't, it really doesn't matter where I go. I, I will fall asleep. I'm even, you would think, oh, well, if he goes to the theater, right, he's put some money down. It's, you know, at a theater, even a fast-paced movie, um, I, somebody really talked me into going to a Star Wars movie a while ago, went to the Star Wars movie, fell asleep, which, which isn't a huge surprise. I'm not a big sci-fi guy, so you know, you're like, oh, okay. Well, that, you know the Mission Impossible movie where Tom Cruise is hanging off the outside of the airplane? You know that one? Yeah, I fell asleep through the second half of that entire movie in the theater. I, I saw the really cool scene where he was hanging off the plane, and apparently then after that, I was just like, I'm out. Not long after that, I went to a Jason Bourne, one of those Jason Bourne movies and that whole series. Love the series, the parts that I've seen. Um, I went and watched the movie where there's a super intense car scene, amazing car chase in Las Vegas. If you've seen that one, you've heard, I've only heard about the car chase because I slept right through this whole scene, and there's cars screeching, and I slept right through the whole thing. Now, occasionally, once in a while, I will actually sit through an entire movie. It's not very often, but when I make it through an entire movie, this is like one of the greatest signs that, that the plot was great, it was fully engaging, and I did not fall asleep. That is a, that is a sign. I mean, that's, if you're old, you know that's better than the, the Two Thumbs Up by Siskel and Ebert. It's better than a fresh review by Rotten Tomatoes. If Brent stays awake, that's a movie that's got something to it. Um, and... and, and there are a few movies that I've managed to stay awake through the whole thing. I managed to stay awake through Hoosiers, which is a movie about basketball, so I made it all the way through that. Um, watched Michael Jordan's Come Fly With Me many times, stayed awake. And I've managed to stay awake all the way through Independence Day. I don't know if you remember that movie, Independence Day. Uh, kind of getting old, but it's the movie where the aliens come down and they've attacked Earth and, and they're trying to take over Earth. And, and, and then Will Smith and Harry Connick Jr., they're going to save the planet. Their, their airplane pilots are fighter pilots, and they're going to they're gonna save it. And there's all kinds of great scenes in that. But if you remember, in that movie, right before they're about to attack the alien ship, Bill Pullman, who is playing the role of the President of the United States, climbs up into a truck and addresses the group of fighter pilots. He begins speaking to them about how we're going to go out there, and you're going to courageously fight these aliens, and you're going to bravely attack their ship. And, and not only today are you fighting for America, but you are fighting for the independence of the entire world. And, and everybody gets excited, and then they all take off and go. There's a moment in Scripture that's very much like that. Where, where Jesus recognizes this is the moment that we're going to go. This is the moment where you guys are going to take off and you are going to set the world on fire for him. And so just before Jesus leaves, just before he returns to heaven, 
He's got a group of his followers around him. And those of us that would later become his followers, this is the moment where he's giving us his big farewell, farewell speech. If, if they had a truck, he would have been standing in the bed of the truck. You know, he would have been like, this is it, let's go. I mean, this is the last time he's going to speak to the guys. This is the last time those of him that were his followers, he gets to speak to them. And as followers today, this is the moment where Jesus calls us to action. We looked at it last week and we saw that it's oftentimes referred to or called the Great Commission. This is what we are sent out to do. It was written down by one of Jesus' closest friends, a guy by the name of Matthew, also one of his followers, would have been there that day, would have heard what Jesus was saying. It's on the screen. It's in your message notes. But this is what Jesus says as the last things before he leaves earth. Jesus says this. He says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now last week we kind of focused on the idea of, of helping people learn to obey and what it looks like for us to obey and teaching people what it looks like to be a disciple. And, and actually that's sort of what we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks is, is really kind of looking and deciding and, and kind of understanding what it looks like to follow the leader. That when you and I decide that, that we're going to follow Jesus, that when we accept him into our life, what does that look like? And we've been kind of breaking that down. And over the last couple of weeks, we've seen lots of aspects where in our own lives, what will become of us and what our personal lives will look like when we're truly following our leader. And how really in our lives, when we begin to follow the leader, it will begin to improve our lives. Not that we'll have everything that we want or that everything will go perfect, but, but relationships will be better, emotionally will be better, we'll find more security because we're following what Jesus has called us to do. But this morning, what I want to encourage us to do, it's not about us. What, this morning, what I want to encourage us to do is all about what Jesus has done in us, but what he's done in us to such a degree and to such an extreme that it begins to pour over and we begin to respond in such a way that we go and tell those that don't know him yet. It's the very beginning of this verse. It's the, it's the second word, go. Go. And it's such a short word that oftentimes we can miss it, but it's such an action word. Jesus is about to leave earth. He's come to earth. He's lived. He's now died on the cross. He's now resurrected from the dead. He's now ready to go, and he's about to leave, and he's talking to those that were a group of followers. He's talking to us who would eventually follow him. And he's saying, Go. And on that day when Jesus is talking, the, the estimation is there's probably about 120 of them there. 120 people who have now been commissioned with the idea of go. And Jesus recognizes he is about to leave. He's about to go back to God the Father. He's about to join God back in heaven. And in that moment, he says, go. Because Jesus recognizes that he's about to leave, and the only way that this is going to carry on is that he's entrusted us to take that message. That is our commission. That is the final command. This is the thing that Jesus wants us to get. And if we don't get this, then we're missing most of what he wants us to do. I mean, this is, this is really the, the, the directive of the church. This is the last instruction that he wants those of us that are followers of his to get. It's go. He's saying, don't understand my love and then just sit around and enjoy it. He's not saying, don't embrace all that I've given you and then just wait for life to happen. 
If you're going to be a follower of Jesus, if we're going to follow our leader, then we have to go. And when we go, we can help bring change to the world because of the message of who Jesus is. Because we have a message of hope. That we have a message of forgiveness. And Jesus is calling us to go. And there's lots of things that Jesus calls us to do. And a huge part of it as followers of his is to go. And oftentimes this idea of going and telling and sharing with people what Jesus has done is uneasy for us. And we hesitate. But a large part of what will help motivate us will encourage us to respond. And a great way for you and I to respond to the Great Commission is that you and I, we need to begin to understand why Jesus came in order to understand why we need to go into the world. If we don't understand why we need to go, then we'll probably be more hesitant. And Jesus is laying out a pretty large task. Because it's way easier just to stay at home. Right? It's way easier just to, to come to church and listen and hang out here and then, and then just return. It's way easier if you're watching at home to watch at home and enjoy your bagel or whatever it is that you're eating and then just sort of forget about it. And not go out and tell people, not go out and share with people what we've discovered to be true. So we have to understand the why Jesus came in order to understand the why we should go. It, it's, it's a lot like recycling. I don't, when I first heard about recycling, I was like, this is a waste of my time. You're telling me that every time I, I'm done with something, I've got to figure out which box it's got to go in. Like, this is a hassle. I just want to throw it all, you know, like, why would I work at this? Why would I invest my time in this? I didn't understand why I would recycle. In fact, I was looking for things online that would tell me that it didn't matter. And that, Okay, and now, now I've discovered we've got way too much garbage in the world and we're destroying our planet and things are falling apart. Okay, I can sort my plastics from my paper now. I can put my green bin stuff in my green bin. But I, it was like I was missing the why for why I would then follow. So today my hope is that we can see why Jesus came and then we can see why we should go and how those two whys combined will help us follow the leader. So the first reason that we need to understand why Jesus came into the world, the first reason is that Jesus came to show his love for us. If we go all the way back to the beginning of the story, all the way back to the beginning of the Bible, we come to the story of Adam and Eve. And Adam and Eve, they get placed into the Garden of Eden, and, and God creates this amazing place where, where God not only gives them this amazing location to live, he also gives them an amazing option and the opportunity for this dynamic, loving relationship between themselves and God. But in order for it to be a loving, dynamic relationship, God had to do something very interesting where God had to give them the free will to choose to love him. Because it can't really be love unless you have a choice to love. If you, if you force somebody to love you, that's not really love. So, so he created within them the opportunity to choose to love him back. Because real love isn't forced. And so they had a choice. They were given free will. And so Adam and Eve, they're in the Garden of Eden. And Eve, in the Garden of Eden. No, yes. Did I get that right? Eve, Eden? Okay. I have an aunt named Eden. I was trying to suddenly say Adam and Eden. Nope. Adam and Eve living in Eden, Garden of Eden. Anyway, God gives them a choice. Okay, you guys think when I talk those things out, it's crazy? You should hear what's going on in my head. Like, <laughs> it's way more confusing in there. Anyway, so, so God gives them a choice to love him. God gives them a choice to choose that. And in the story, it's represented by they have freedom to do whatever they want, to go eat, to do whatever, except for there's a tree. 
one tree. Don't eat the fruit from that tree. God gives them the choice to obey. God gives them the choice to love him and just simply avoid one thing. But then they choose disobedience. And the big problem with disobedience is the consequence that comes from it. And the consequence from disobedience, the consequence when we say, God, I, I'm going to love you not quite enough to do everything that you've called me to. I'm going to do my own thing. Disobedience causes a separation from God. And so they get kicked out of the garden. They get removed out of the garden because of that disobedience. And then that, that has a trickle-down effect all the way to us today because God created us to be in relationship with him, in that loving relationship with him. And because of the times where you and I choose to disobey, it creates that separation. And every single one of us in the room, every single one of us online, anybody watch, all of us at some point, we have chosen to disobey God. We have rejected that love, and it's caused a separation between us and God. That wasn't what God wanted. God desired for us to be in relationship with him. It's not where he wanted the story to end. He didn't want the story to end at our disobedience. So not only did God love us by creating us and giving us the opportunity to choose to love him, but when we messed up, when we disobeyed, when we stepped outside of that relationship, when we did something to break the relationship with him, he loved us so much that then he created a way to fix the problem. Here's how he fixed the problem. John 1, 14 says this. It says, so the word became human and lived here on earth among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. The Word is basically another name for Jesus. Jesus was the Word. He came and lived among us, and he became human. Fully God, fully human. And he came, and, and God was basically saying, listen, I can't just sit back and allow the separation between mankind and myself. I can't just allow that to continue. Because not only does that separation on earth mean that we're not in relationship with him, he had to send Jesus down because ultimately separation from God means death. So he sent Jesus down so that we could experience life. So that we could know his love. And if we want to know how much God loves us, all we have to do is look to Jesus. Because not only did Jesus come to earth, not only did he come and live among us, he came to die for us. He came to pay the price for all of the choices that you and I have made where we've separated ourselves, where we've violated the relationship between God or others, and we've created that separation, and the consequence of that is death. And Jesus came and died in our place. And Adam and Eve, they were, they were there. They showed us this opportunity that we had for free will to love him. And ultimately, just like Adam and Eve, how they turned their back on God and did their own thing, you and I turn our backs on God, and we do our own thing. And then God intervenes and says, I don't want you to live for, eter I don't want you to live for eternity in hell. And so as a result of that, Jesus is going to come, and he died, and he died for us. And he allowed Jesus to come and die on the cross. And so God has demonstrated his love for us twice by giving us the opportunity to choose him and by giving us the opportunity to then pay the price to accept that he paid the price for the sin in our lives. And one of the greatest truths that you and I need to accept, that you and I need to recognize, is that God loves you. And it sounds so simple. It's so simple, but recognizing that Jesus loves you, he loves you so much that he gave you the opportunity to choose him and then he died to make it possible for you to stay in that relationship. The second reason why Jesus came is that Jesus came to show his compassion for us. In his concern for us, he recognized that if we stayed dead in our sins, meaning that our sins have separated us from God, and so now we are on, a one tra we are on track for death, eternal death. 
And God, Jesus recognized that that separation from God would ultimately lead to us spending all of eternity in hell, separated from God. And his love demonstrated his true nature, that he cared about us. And in his compassion, he comes to save us from the destruction that we're facing at the end of life, if we're not in relationship with him. And out of his compassion, he comes, because he recognized our desperate situation, that we had turned our backs on him and we were destined for an eternity in hell. And Jesus simply said, I cannot allow that to happen. Out of his compassion, he said, I can't allow you to face that eternal destruction. Jesus continually has compassion wherever he saw people without God. Go to Matthew chapter 9. It says this, it says, He, being Jesus, he felt great compassion for the crowds that came because their problems were so great and they didn't know where to go for help. They were like sheep without a shepherd. You and I, we get, we get so lost and sometimes it's hard and it's difficult for us to even admit that we were ever lost. But we are so lost, and the only way for us to get restored and to be made right is through God and through what he did by sending Jesus. Because we don't know where to turn, and we don't know where to find help, and we try to figure out so many different ways. But notice Jesus ultimately responds to those that were lost, to these individuals that were hurting. He recognizes the desperate need of the crowd, and he had compassion. It didn't say Jesus recognized that the crowd was lost and so he started telling them how dumb they were. He had compassion. He didn't start telling them about how horrible they were, about how they're terrible people. He's like, he had compassion because they were lost. And so God was setting up the process of, of this compassion to help restore us, to help us avoid the destruction of hell and spending eternity separated from him. And he recognized that if he forced us to believe, it wouldn't be love. If he forced us into that relationship, it wouldn't be love. And so he gave us the choice. And then Jesus came to show us his compassion and to show us his love. And then the, number, the third reason why Jesus came is that Jesus came to show his dream for us. And I know that sounds weird. I know that sounds weird to use the word dream when talking about Jesus or talking about God because God's not sleeping, right? He's never going to sleep because what time zone would he choose if he did? And have to rotate because then we'd all be in a... So anyway, God's not sleeping, so there is... It's a dream, right? But, but let's go back. Go back to the, very, the, to the Garden of Eden. There, w- there had to have been a dream, right? Like a concept of, oh, what can this be? Of, of what the reality could ultimately be. And God's ultimate dream was he wanted to create this opportunity for us to be in this unbroken, eternal relationship with him. That was the dream. He designed for us to be in fellowship with him. And fellowship is this, this sort of churchy word that we don't really use outside of the church. But, but basically, fellowship means this deep bond connection. That was the dream. That's what Jesus wanted. That's what God was creating. And that's what you and I were designed to have. And we were designed to be in constant fellowship with God, to enjoy that relationship both now, while we live in this world, and to enjoy it for all eternity. That's the dream. That's what what God was hoping for. And when we choose to turn our backs on God, basically we shatter the original dream. But Jesus still imagined it possible. Jesus still saw what the dream could be and he believed it was possible. And so Jesus came to restore that dream. There's a modern version of the Bible known as the message. And and some people love it and some people hate it. But sometimes it puts things in words that just 
tie-in. John 10, 10 says this. Jesus said, I came so they could have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. Jesus came to overcome the results of the sin in your life. He came to fix the broken pieces of our lives and put them back together. He came so that, that God's dream could ultimately be restored and that you and I could become everything that we were originally intended to be. But we need to realize that our life apart from Jesus is less than God's best. It's less than God's dream for us. And God's dream for us is to be in relationship with him, to experience the forgiveness that Jesus offers, to know the certainty of facing eternity in heaven when we die. And not only the eternity in heaven, but, but that we could actually experience a better life now. As we're in that connection with God, as we're invested in that relationship with him, he wants to lead us to a life that is better kind of a higher level, not that we're better, not that we, but ultimately the fact that we experience God's love in our life, when we experience in that, our, that, that process, now we begin to experience the fullness of hope and peace and joy that comes through that relationship with him. Not that we're going to have everything that we ever wanted, not that all the problems are going to go away, not that we're never going to get sick, not that there's ever going to be pain, but now we have a fullness and we have a hope and we have a peace and we have a certainty that only Jesus can offer. And when you and I begin to fully embrace all of that, when you and I fully embrace God's love for us, that Jesus would come, and his compassion for us because of where he knew we were destined to spend eternity in hell, and when we recognize his dream for us, that we would experience a rich and full life, that should motivate us to go. When we fully embrace all of that, we should go. Now, there's a chance that some of you online or some of you in the room, you're hearing this idea of the, the fullness and the hope and the forgiveness that Jesus came to offer, and you're hearing that, and, and it's the first time you've heard that. Or maybe you've heard it before, but you've never really heard it before. It's never really made sense before. It's never really connected with you before. If that's true, today could be the opportunity. Today is the moment where you could decide that you're going to Turn from the life that you're living and you're going to accept the fact that Jesus died for you. That there's times in your life where you've turned your back on God, where, where you've chosen, you've made decisions, where you broke relationship with God and you broke relationship with other people and that sin in your life has separated, from, separated you from God and today you realize that you need to claim the death that Jesus died for you on the cross for your forgiveness so that you could experience the restoration of life that God wants to offer you, that you could begin to experience the fullness of hope and peace and restoration. And if that's where you're at this morning, we're just gonna stop for a second, and I'm just gonna pray. And if you're at a place in your life where, where you need to, maybe for the first time, or maybe you need to, again, receive the forgiveness that Jesus offers, receive the fullness of life that we get because of the fact that he rose from the dead, then I would just encourage you to pray with me. And you can just pray in your heart, you can pray in your mind. If you want to pray out loud and repeat these words, if you're at home, you're welcome to do so. But if that's where you're at, would you just pray with me? Jesus, this morning, I recognize that I have made decisions, that I have made choices that broke relationship with you, that I chose to disobey. Jesus, I recognize that those choices in my life have ultimately created separation between me and you. 
And that if that doesn't get fixed, if that doesn't get taken care of, then the penalty for that is death. Jesus, I believe that you came and you lived on this earth. You never sinned. You never broke relationship. And as a result, you were able to die on the cross for me. Jesus, this morning, I receive the forgiveness that comes because of what you did on the cross. And I receive the fullness of life and the, and the hope that comes because not only did you die on the cross for me, but three days later you rose from the dead so that I could have life. Jesus, this morning I accept that and I choose to follow you. I choose to give my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, if you're watching online, there's a little button that's going to pop up that just says that you've chosen to follow Jesus. If you would just click on that button just to say that you've done that, I want to start a, a conversation with you. I'll send you some emails and we can begin that conversation. If you're in the room this morning, if you're on our, one of our Connect, if you can go to our Connect group, uh, our Connect card page and just mark that you've accepted Jesus, then I want to start a conversation with you as well. Now, my guess is if you're in the room, if you're watching online, many of you, everything that we just talked about, you're like, yep, heard it before. Yep, heard it before. I know I've made Jewish choices that have separated me from God. I've heard it before. But if you and I will really allow that to sink in, if you and I will ever just sit long enough to fully realize everything that Jesus has done for us, if we recognize the situation we were in where we were destined for hell, that on our own there was nothing we can do, and then Jesus did all of that so that we could be made right, that should motivate us to respond, to do what Jesus has called us to do, which is to go. To go into all the nations. And sometimes all the nations include your neighborhood, it includes your office, it includes your school, it includes your Zoom meeting, it includes your Facebook, it includes your athletic club, your bowl, it doesn't matter. If we know why Jesus came, then it should cause us and motivate us to go. And there's three reasons why we should go. The first reason that we should go, we go when, we love, when his love for others becomes our love for others. When we experience his love at such a great amount, then we go out and we want to love others as well. Because the temptation is so often to just like, ah, I'm just going to wait. Ah, we just, if we're not responding, if we don't love others, if we're not responding, then we're probably not fully experiencing his love for us. Because when we recognize his love for others, then we'll lay our neck on the line. Then we'll want to make sure that everyone around us experiences the love that Jesus has for them in their own lives. That we won't just keep it for ourselves, that we won't just say, you know what, this is love is for me. I'll get out and I'll share. My natural desire would be to want other people to know. To begin to realize the value for other people to experience the same love in their life that that love would begin to grow in us in such a way that those that don't know Jesus yet, we would do everything we possibly could to make sure that they hear about it. That we would do what we can, that, that we would begin to see, okay, I begin to experience Jesus' love, and as that love begins to grow, those that don't know Jesus yet, I'm going to do what I can to make sure that they hear about him. This is a verse that's been familiar. We've looked at it a bunch during this series. Matthew 22 says, Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. I'm sure we've all had an opportunity prior to COVID where you visited somebody's home. Remember that? Where you walk into somebody else's home. And if it's somebody that you don't know very well, when you first walk in, there's sort of that awkward moment where you're like, I'm not sure where to sit. Do I take my shoes off? Do I take my shoes? Do I keep my shoes on? Where's the bathroom? Is this going to be some really awkward conversation? Like, is this going to be the longest night of my life or whatever? 
But if you're the house that's hosting, as people come in, in an attempt to love your neighbor, you try to make the experiences as, as simple as possible, right? Oh, yeah, you can keep your shoes on. Or if you do take your shoes off, you put them here. And here, have a seat. Would you like some water? How about some iced tea? Can I take it? You're like, we do everything that we can to love on them, to take care of them, so that the experience is as good as possible. And so we love them by making it as easy as possible for them. And so what we try to do at Silver Creek is we try to make the process as simple as possible and to remove as many of the barriers as possible. And I understand that right now seems like a really difficult time to tell people about Jesus. Right? You're like, uh, you're telling us to go, but we can't even go anywhere. Well, so what we're trying to do is we're trying to utilize or create some resources that are available to you online so you can go. Because right now, that's where all of us are going. We just saw a video this morning about Greater Trinity Academy. And what we're recognizing is that there's a group of people that are not very far from here who have a very huge need. And if we can help meet that need and begin to remove some of the, the obstacles that are in their way, if we can begin to reduce some of the stress of that education, when we begin to remove some of that physical need, now they might become open to hearing about Jesus. I mean, Jesus did that all the time. All the time Jesus was doing that. Jesus would heal. And now suddenly because you've been healed, now you might, you're no longer blind and maybe you'll be open to hearing this other thing. Jesus would give out food. Jesus went to a wedding and he turned water into wine and saved the reception. Don't you think later on down the road, those people that were at the wedding are more likely to want to hear what Jesus had to say? He would love them by meeting the physical need and then open the door for them to listen to a spiritual need. So one of the ways that you can go is help us spread the news about Greater Trinity. When we post the videos, don't just watch them and be like, well, that's cute. Share them. Literally, every time you see a video about Greater Trinity, just share it. Share it, share it, share it, share it. Help spread the word about these kids that are in a desperate situation where they have a physical need that if we can meet it, then maybe we can speak to them about their spiritual need as well. One of the other things that's, on, that's happening on social media right now, every week, Clayton our social media director, he's taking 30-second clips of the message. You've maybe seen them every Monday, Wednesday, Friday. They roll out. It's about a 30-second clip. They've somehow managed to find 30 seconds of something that I said that makes a lot of sense. I don't know how he does it. Somehow he puts it together. When you see those, don't watch them and think, I am really motivated. Yeah, actually, think, I am really motivated. How can I share this? These are not for us to just hold on to. These are one of the ways that you can go into the world because our hope is that this 30-second video will catch somebody's attention enough that they would say, what is that? And then they would click on the link and it will take them to the full service and it will begin the process of them having an opportunity to hear about Jesus. So you're right, you can't go into all the world right now. But you can go into all of Facebook and you can share these opportunities for people to have an opportunity to hear about it. And it's one of the easiest ways to love your neighbor. It's the same thing in your life. Look for the simple ways to love on people. And then in that process, as you're loving on them and as they've experienced that love that you're offering that, that grows out of what Jesus has done for you, you can tell them about what he's done for them. Second reason that we go, we go when his compassion for others becomes our compassion for others. When we begin to recognize that the people around us are destined for hell. When we begin to recognize that the people around us that aren't in relationship with him ultimately are going to end up in hell, our compassion should drive us to share with them about what God has done in our life and what Jesus has done in our life. 
There's this crazy story. I don't understand it. I'm going to read it to you. And then the theology behind it, I can't even fully grasp it all. And we don't have time to even break it all down. But Jesus is telling this story one time about this guy that was very, just kind of lazy about his faith. So lazy, in fact, his faith wasn't even real. Ultimately, the guy ends up in hell. And listen to what he says. It's just, just listen. Here's what it says. It says, the rich man, he's, so he now, he's in hell. Okay, I know that doesn't mean the rich man said, "Please, Father Abraham, send him to my father's home, for I have five brothers, and I want to warn him, warn them about this place of torment, so they won't have to come here when they die." Okay, this is just craziness. Jesus is telling a story about a guy that went to hell. It's horrible. And then he says, so somebody, please go tell my family. And there's all kinds of theology in there, and all kinds of debates, and we could spend hours. Rest- if you don't like what I just read, that's fine. Take it up with Jesus. He's the one that said it. You can send all of your complaints to my boss. It's Jesus at silvercreek.org. Just tell him what you don't like. Send. But basically what Jesus was saying is, listen, a guy that got to hell recognized how horrible it was, and he's in this desperate situation to say, please tell my family, don't come here. Tell my family to do whatever they need to do to avoid this place. You and I, we have the the knowledge of how to avoid this place. And we should have so much compassion for people that are destined to hell that we will do anything we possibly can to help make the message reach them so that they can understand what they need in their life. And that what they need in their life is to understand who Jesus is. So we have to go. And again, I've just mentioned that this is a pretty great time for you to be able to go and to share with things that are going on with Facebook with those little videos or what's going on with Greater Trinity, this is a great opportunity to invite people to join you online for church. Remember in the past, in the old days where we always came to the building? You actually had to talk your friend into getting up early, putting on their church clothes, which is really easy at Silver Clear, but putting on church clothes, showing up, walking into a building that they've never been in before, having to sit in a room with a bunch of weird people. Like, ah, not right now you just invite, you say, hey, um, so tomorrow morning at 930, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get online. Why don't you get online at home and we'll watch it at the same time? And then if the guy gets boring, or if you don't like the music, you can just click the X or whatever. You just, like, what an amazing, or maybe it's somebody that you're already, you kind of, you violate the bubble or whatever. There's somebody that you hang out with. Invite them over for breakfast. Say, hey, why don't you come over to my house? We'll have some breakfast. I'm going to make some amazing ham and eggs. Jacob's making great omelets now. He's going to do a lesson on how to make omelets online. Um, He's like, what am I doing? Anyway, bring them in. Watch it together. What did you like? What did you not like? Where does, where? It's an amazing opportunity, but if we have the compassion to recognize that people are ultimately headed to hell, it will motivate us to respond. Then the last thing, the last reason why we should go, is we go when his dream for others becomes our dream for others. Avoiding hell is huge, obviously. Getting into heaven is amazing. And yet we understand, we have the reality that that God's dream for us is not just about eternity, but his dream for us is in this life, that we would experience life to the full. And certainly there are things that you and I are called to avoid, and there are things that we, we are choices that we are called to make, ways that we're called to live. But ultimately, when you and I have Jesus in our lives, And ultimately know that when others have Jesus in their lives, in those moments when we're following what he's called us to do, our relationships are healthy, we become more emotionally stable, our foundation begins to grow, and that same dream that Jesus has for us to know him and to be in that relationship, we begin to have that same dream that others would experience that as well. In the book of Ephesians, there's this incredible prayer. It says this, May you, 
experience the love of Christ. Though it is so great, you will never fully understand it. Then you will be filled with the fullness of life and power that comes from God. That's the dream. That's the dream that we need to have for other people, that they would experience the love of Christ, that they would experience in such a deep way that even though they would never fully understand it, they would be able to experience it. That's the commission. That is what you and I are called to do as followers of Jesus. Those of us that are following our leader, it's to respond and to go. And every week we put some next steps in here. You see them on your Connect card. You see them in the message notes. Maybe your next step is to embrace the love, compassion, and dream that Jesus has for you. Maybe your next step is to ask Jesus to open your eyes to those around you that need to know him. Maybe your next step is to get creative on how you can go into the world even when we can't go very far. And maybe your next step is to develop the strength to make decisions with others in mind before yourself. Wherever it is, I would just encourage you to respond to whatever Jesus is saying this morning. But ultimately, you and I are called to go. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for this morning. Jesus, thank you that, that you're clear with what you have called us to do. It is not enough for us to just simply experience your love and your compassion. Jesus, you have called us to share that with others. Jesus, help us to have the strength to go. God, allow us to be motivated as we experience the fullness of what you've done in our life to share that with others, to not keep it to ourselves, but recognize what you've called us to do. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.